This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're celebrating a second consecutive men's squash national championship for Ahmed Abdelkalik. The squash team sent a total of five players to individual nationals overall, and we went with them. Both our lacrosse and both our tennis programs went undefeated this past week, and track and field put up great times at their final meet before nationals. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. This past weekend, the men's and women's squash teams traveled to individual nationals as Ahmed Abdelkalik looked to defend his national championship. And he did exactly that. On Friday, he defeated Rochester's Neil Cordell 3-0 in the round of 16. Then in the quarterfinals on Saturday, he faced St. Lawrence's Mustafa Bayoumi and won 3-2 in a tight battle. Bayoumi, a longtime friend of Abdelkalik's, helped coach him the rest of the way. Abdelkalik defeated Trinity's Rick Penders 3-1 in the semifinals later that day. Then on Sunday, Abdelkalik knocked off Rochester's Ryose Kobayashi 3-1 in a dramatic match that featured multiple injury timeouts and a thrilling 15-13 win for Abdelkalik in Game 3 and a tight 13-11 win in Game 4 to clinch the championship. Abdelkalik is our male Bobcat of the Week, and we talked to him right after Sunday's match concluded. The win over Bayumi in the quarterfinals was huge. Well, I knew that the winner of that match was going to win the tournament, especially after uh, Amr Khalifa lost, the number two seed. So inside of me, I just knew that that was a turning point match for me. I needed to give it more than 100%. So I'm happy I got out with a win. And then Bayumi, it's kind of cool, kind of became in your corner after that. What's that like? Yeah, uh, Bayumi and I played on Team Egypt for six years in a row. So he knows my game, I know his game. So I really feel comfortable when he coaches me because he knows what I should do, he knows my shots, he knows where I'm good at, where I'm bad at, you know what I mean? So I really feel comfortable when he coaches me. And it's not really about winning and losing when two Egyptians play, you know what I mean? Like if, even if I had lost and he continued, I would, have, I would have coached him too, so yeah. Awesome, now I know uh, we talked before how you really play you know, for your dad and everything. I know you talk to him a lot on the phone between matches and whatnot. What, have you spoken to him yet? What do you guys talk about? Yeah, I've spoken to him for like a minute after the match just to tell him that I won. But I honestly, if I owe it to anyone, I owe it to my dad. Uh, I didn't want to play. And you know when you're not hungry anymore, you, you just don't want to get on court, you don't want to train. He just asked me to do it for him. And if you want to win, you really need to find someone precious to you or something precious to you to play for. And I just did it for him. I know also you have a great relationship with a lot of the parents uh, that surround the squash program. Talk a little bit about that. Well, they have been more than supportive of me on and off court, especially uh, Mr. Cannon, Mr. Burke, Mr. Mitchell. Uh, those three have had a, the really, Words can't, can't express how I really feel about those people. 
like if I keep thanking them for for a decade, I won't be able to finish. I, I swear, they they have they have done so much for me. I mean, the pressure was it pressure more to win it again, or was the pressure was to finish out with the winning streak? Both, Both maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Both. It's it's very hard. But I was just trying as much as I can to eliminate all of that BS, you know what I mean, and just play the match. But it's still very hard. But I'm happy it worked out. How cool was it to have all these supporters rooting you on? I mean, the Bates outnumbered the Rochester. Difference. Huge difference. You know when you're playing by yourself, it feels like no one cares. But when all of those people come, and even alumni, and all your team, like literally all of my teammates are here tonight, today. Men and women, all of them. You know, how, like, you know how I'm supposed to feel like having breakfast, all of us together, and even last night when we were hanging out together in the lounge, it gives you a great feeling, like, these people got my back. Like, win or lose, they have got my back. So it's a great feeling, and it made a huge difference having them by my side today. Uh, I know we've talked before how you're not going to pursue professional squash full-time, but you're probably still going to play a lot, right? Um, maybe uh, I'll pursue coaching career, but not, you know, not, I don't want to play in the pro tour. Uh, maybe just coaching career like as a part-time job, not a full-time. I know you were coached up by Pat a lot um, throughout your career. What's that relationship been like? Well, Pat has been like a brother to me, big brother and a mentor, and he fought for me in order to get into Bates, and I would never forget that because without him, I wouldn't have been here talking to you now. Now, after you bit, you, you touched on this previously, but after you beat Bayumi, you basically knew you were going to win it all. Is that a fair no. statement? <laughs> no, not at all, no. <laughs> No, it, it's different. You know, last year I beat Kobayashi 3-love in like 25 minutes. I knew it wasn't going to be the same. It's different when it's like you're playing someone in the semifinals and when you're playing, when you're playing him in the finals or even when you're playing head-to-head. -head. Each match has its own circumstances, so you need to prepare for each match by itself. You know what I mean? How are you able to overcome the knee issue? What happened there? I don't know, I didn't really feel it until they told me, so I was just making sure that the blood didn't appear, because if it had appeared, I would have lost the game. Yeah. Gotcha, and I mean, both of you had injury timeouts, I mean, it was pretty physical competition there? Yeah, yeah, there was so much interference, in the, in the, especially in the third game, because both of us knew that the winner of the third game would win the match. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, so Kobayashi mentioned he looked like he was improved from last time, what was challenging about him? Well, he played way better. He was fighting so hard. Last year, he wasn't really fighting as much, or maybe I was better, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but this time even he was just getting to each and every shot I played. It's very frustrating when you know that this is a winner for me, I should win this point, and then he comes out of nowhere and he wins the point, you know what I mean? So instead of being a winner for you, it's a winner for him. It was very frustrating. Has it hit you yet that you're back-to-back -back national champ? No. I, I was sick a week before the tournament, and I started playing three days before it started. So I was just, I was preparing for myself to lose. And it, I didn't, so it's great. <laughs> junior Ahmed Hatata, now a three-time All-American, and junior Darius Campbell also participated at nationals for the men's team. Meanwhile, the women's team sent first years Christina Alexova and Vicky Arjun to nationals as well. Alexova advanced to the Holleran Division C finals, and Arjun advanced to the Holleran Division D consolation finals. Head coach Pat Kosker talked about Abdel Khalik's championship and more after the matches were all over. That was really special, and um, 
credit to, to Rio and, and the Rochester team. I mean, they just they had a great season, and um, that was some of the, the best squash that we've seen in a really long time. But um, Ahmed was really tested, and uh, I haven't seen that in I haven't seen that in a couple of years. I thought it very interesting that you know the guy he beat in the quarterfinals, Mustafa Bayoumi kind of came into his corner, did come into his corner. What was that like? Yeah, well, they're, they're like brothers. You know, they've known each other for a long time, and, uh, you know, that's great. You know, that's what college squash is all about. Everyone helps each other out, and, uh, you know, we're opponents on the court, but we're also, we're, you know, we're all teammates. Now, the families all support the players so much. I mean, Ahmed has a great relationship with, like, the Cannons and multiple other families. So what's that like? Uh, we've really created a, a family um, you know, it was here before before I started coaching, but um, it's something that's really important to me and, and important to the kids. A lot of our kids, um, you know, aren't fortunate enough to go home on the weekends or go home over break, and so uh, it's nice to have a support system in place. And our parents are just extremely generous and loving, and um, it, it really helps us on the court. It makes a difference for for the coaches and for the kids, and uh, that's what playing sports in college and, and playing intercollegiate athletics is all about. The two injury timeouts in the final match. What does that say about the physicality of this game? Again, that was one of the one of the uh, one of the most back and forth matches I've seen. Uh, the score is just not representative of how close that match was. And um, yeah, I think it helped both players in a way. Uh, you know, I know it sounds bad because they were injured, but I think you know just catching their breath and refocusing a little bit. The play was just so frenetic on court that you know, the three minutes or five minutes here and there just, just I think, helped refocus. Um, but, yeah, that match had a little bit of everything. Now, I know this was the first Nationals for Christina and, and Vicky, and they both advanced, well, Vicky to the Constellation Finals and, and Christina to her Brackets Finals. So what do you think their experience was like at their first Nationals? Well, I hope they had fun. Um, you know, they just, they had really special seasons. I'm just so proud of both of them. Um, and their future's really bright, but they, they played great. You know, this is a really, as we talked about, this is a tough environment. You know, this a bunch of college players and um, some of the top competition that they're going to face all year, and they just did really great. And I'm, I'm really proud of them, and, and the future's bright for them and, and for the women's squash program. Obviously, you're not going to have Ahmed back next year, but you'll have Ahmed Hatata back next year. He had kind of a learning experience this week, didn't he? Sure, yeah. He, he had a tough, tough draw, and then... Uh, you know, I think he underperformed, but that's okay. You know, you can't always play your top squash. Um, he had a really, he had a brilliant season. He was undefeated all season, and to suffer his first loss in the first round of the, of the top flight of the top 16 players in the country, there's no shame in that. Um, and he'll learn from that. He's a he's a world class player. He'll come back and lead us next year. And um, and Ahmed Abdelkhalik will be with us whether he's on court with us in practice uh, or not. His his legacy is cemented, um, and he'll always be with the Bait Squash program. It was a great week to be a Bobcat as the lacrosse teams win a combined 4-0. The women's lacrosse team defeated Wellesley 11-3 on Wednesday and shut out Wesleyan 12-0 on Saturday. The shutout win is the Bobcats' first since 2007 and their first ever against a NESCAC opponent. Goalkeeper Hannah Jeffrey was named the NESCAC Women's Lacrosse Player of the Week for her efforts as she tallied a total of 23 saves over the course of two games for a save percentage of 88.5%. Jeffrey has led the Bobcats for their first 3-0 start since 2007, and she's our female Bobcat of the Week. How cool was it for you as a goalkeeper to get a shutout the other day against Wesleyan? Uh, it was pretty cool. I've never done it before, so that was really exciting, and it was even more exciting to do it against a NESCAC opponent because they're the better 
opponents that we play in our schedule, and it just kind of made it that much better to be able to do it against a good team. And the team right now is 3-0. and uh, What do you attribute to the great start? Um, I think all of our returners have put in a lot of effort to kind of get where we are. And uh, the best thing about Saturday was that it was a team win. It started the offense did their job scoring goals and keeping possession, and the defense played phenomenally. I know, like, I get the credit for the shutout, but I couldn't have done it without my defense because they played unbelievably well, and some of those shots I didn't even have to move for because they made it so easy for me. So it's what you want from your defense, and it was really awesome. And then for you personally, obviously, I mean, how does this team compare so far to teams you've previously been on here at Bates? Um, I think, I mean, every year is fun, but uh, there's 10 seniors on the team this year, and those are some of my best friends, and that makes it really awesome to kind of play and win with them. How did you start in lacrosse back in the day playing goalkeeper? Um, I actually started because our goalie in my like youth league one day just didn't want to play, and so I stepped in and played for her and then never stopped. What's been some of the things you've learned through the years about what makes an effective goalkeeper? Um... You have to have confidence, and you have to kind of not get down on yourself when they score, and I think that's kind of the most important thing, to just be level-headed. So a short memory is very important? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I know you're a senior now, but what made you decide to come to Bates back in the day? Um, I don't know. I just fell in love with the school, and I know people say that, and it's super cheesy <laughs> that when you come on campus, you just kind of knew, and uh, I did, and it didn't hurt that uh, I was going to be able to play lacrosse, so that was definitely an added bonus to just, and all the stuff that Bates kind of offers you was really great. A couple of home games this week, uh, Babson, I believe, on mm-hmm. Wednesday here, and then uh, hosting Amherst on Saturday. Obviously, you're probably very familiar with both teams. What do you know about them? Uh, I mean, obviously, we're pretty familiar with both teams, um, and we're not looking overlooking Babson at all because they're a great team, but it's obviously always really fun to play a NESCAC team at home, and I think we're all pretty excited about this weekend, and then hopefully we'll get one more win tomorrow and go, go into the weekend 4-0, which would be really nice. And what do you think this group of seniors has learned over the – four years about what it takes to succeed in the NESCAC? Um, I think just the seniors have put in a lot of effort and you know we had kids who started their freshman year and we had kids who worked really really hard to kind of get a starting position this year and last year and I think that's kind of made all the difference because we all know exactly how to play together and you know we push the team and push everyone at practice and I just we have a great group of seniors who really want to play to the best of their abilities this year. What are some of your goals maybe in the upcoming games uh, throughout the rest of the year? What are you thinking about what you want to achieve? Um, I think just kind of consistency and like so far we've had it in the past couple games but it's really great when the team plays together and you have offense clicking and defense clicking and you know that's how you win games and that's pretty much all you can ask for. From the academic perspective uh, how is your capstone project going in your I know you're a math major right? Yep I'm a math major and so we do a capstone and you get into a group of four or five and you kind of pick a topic and my group is doing the most significant digit. And then we'll present that at Mount David when we're done. And you have to balance that with lacrosse. And so how does that time obviously. management work out? Uh, it's definitely a lot of time management. I definitely try and use all the little awkward 20-minute periods of my day to kind of get work done. But because I know I've practiced, it probably takes about up like three and a half hours of my day. So can't be in the library from 4 to 8 o'clock at night. So. All right, Hannah, thanks so much. Thank you. <laughs> The men's lacrosse team won in dramatic fashion on Saturday over Wesleyan by a score of 12-11 to 11 in overtime. Jack Aller scored the winning goal with less than five seconds to go in OT. Then the Bobcats dominated the University of New England on Sunday, winning 19-4. Bates is 4-0 for the first time since 2006, and they are ranked sixth in the nation. We caught up with head coach Peter Lasagna to talk all things Bates men's lacrosse. Well, Coach Lasagna, a great 4-0 start to the year for the men's lacrosse team. First of all, what do you think so far has allowed the success from last year to carry over to this year? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think a lot of it, um, as we are seeing, not just in the fact that we've won these games, but how we have won them, um, is that the maturity gained from last year's experience and being in really tough games against quality teams uh, and finding ways to win um, has carried over. And, and obviously, always as a coach, you hope that that's going to happen, but each group is different. Each team has a different personality. And it's been really gratifying to see how these young men have dealt with, you know, getting down early and just playing through it and keeping keeping to our game, keeping to our style, and uh, and being confident enough to make plays. And already this year, you guys have faced some tough opponents. I mean, you're up against a ranked Indicott team to start the year. And then this past weekend, Wesleyan and their NESCAC opener gave you all you could handle. I mean, how exciting was that game? Or were you not thinking exciting? You were more thinking, oh, this is, this is too close for comfort. I was absolutely thinking that this is too close <laughs> for comfort. I was also thinking, um, welcome to the NESCAC, um, where we were very aware of how, we know how good Wesleyan is. Uh, we also knew that they had a very, very important player from two years ago, Quentin Delaferra, who was out last year. Uh, we knew he was back, and he will be, I predict, you know, one of the best players in the NESCAC, one of the best players in the country, just a gifted, really fast, really talented athlete. So, you know, you add that guy back to a, to a pretty good team that lost a couple pieces but also returned some, some very strong people. Um, and again, I mean, look at the scores from the NESCAC. You know, we're, we're on the bus ride going home, and you're just looking. The blowout uh, was Amherst 10-7 over Bowdoin. I mean, they're, they're just, there are no easy outs in this league, and our veterans understood that before the game. Our youngest guys now know that. And who among maybe the young guys has, has stood out so far, perhaps, in this, in this early you know, four, through four games? Uh, I mean, I would say that uh, of the youngest people, um, Eli Cooper, probably, um, against Endicott, as you said, a very, very tough and, and veteran squad um, with, I think, I hope, I believe, one of the best face-off men in the country. Um, he gave us all we could handle. And to have an antidote and to have another face-off guy, matchups are really critical. Um at, for uh, for faceoff men in lacrosse, so that you could have stats don't mean that much. You just could have two people that either match up really well or don't. And so Sam Francis is going to be very very effective against a whole slew of people. And then there might be a matchup, and Endicott was one of those where Sam just didn't match up great with uh, with that guy, and Eli did, and at least made it gave us a fair fight. And then our, our wings then did a did a really good job, but, but I would say of our newest people um, that I, I would probably single out, uh, Eli, and then everybody else is a year older. Um, and you see, uh, you know, people that had some some nice junior years um, flourish as seniors. I, I probably, Charlie Hildebrand deserves mention. I mean, he's somebody, again, gets very little hype, uh, is just an incredibly steady lacrosse player, really anchored as a junior, anchored uh, the second midfield for us last year, which statistically is as efficient a midfield as you're going to find. Um, and Charlie is just playing like, you know, the senior that we, we, we hope all seniors are going to turn, in, turn into. Just incredible confidence, 
really high lacrosse IQ in every situation. Um, a coach on the field. I mean, all those sort of cliches. So he's been, and I think he's averaging almost two goals a game. So uh, he's not somebody probably that figures in enough scouting reports um, who has, has just done great things for us. And I know we talked to Andrew Melvin uh, last week after his great performances in the first two games. Uh, what are you seeing from him so far? Well, again, I mean, I, I think, you know, everybody starts their defensive scouting report, I would imagine, with Charlie Fay, Jack Allard, and uh, Kyle Wimmer. So, and those guys are a handful for anybody. Um, but then you add, you know, Andrew Melvin and Jake Walsh and Charlie Hildebrand and Clark Jones and, I mean, you know, Wes Shrewsbury and, and as you as, as the numbers demonstrated on Sunday, we go pretty deep. Um, but, yeah, Andrew Melvin, I, I think, is that guy who he's the scouting report confounder because who are you going to put on him? Um, if you don't put your best defenseman on him, he's going he's gonna to hurt you. Um, if you do, you're taking him right. off of somebody else. And so, uh, I mean, obviously that Endicott game was, I would imagine, certainly statistically, but also just in terms of the impact he had on the game, I would think was the best game of his, of his college career. But he's capable of doing that every day. And, and a lot of it, as I said, I mean, when we're moving the ball the way that we can, uh, I just don't envy people trying to figure out who they're going to try to take away because um, you might be able to take one person away and you maybe even can take one and a half or two people away, but we have other people who are also going to hurt you. In their home opener, Bates men's tennis defeated Babson 8-1 to on Friday and followed that up with another home win, a 7-2 to victory over MIT on Saturday. Meanwhile, the women's tennis team took care of Mount Holyoke 6-3 to on Saturday before shutting out Colby Sawyer 9 to nothing in the Bobcats home opener on Sunday. Joined by sophomore Maisie Silverman here on the Bobcast talking women's tennis, a good 2-0 week for your team. First of all, you went on the road to Mount Holyoke, got mm-hmm. a 6-3 win there. Tough match because I guess the court was a little different according to Coach Gassingate. Well, yeah, how did that work? Um, the court was really different because Bates, the court, is really fast. So they just resurfaced the courts at Mount Holyoke, and the ball was really slow, and it just dropped completely. So a lot of people were having issues where they sliced it, and then it would just drop. So it was hard to get the footwork moving and getting ready for that. And what adjustments did you make personally? Um, I actually used it to my advantage, and I used the slice to drop shot my opponent, and then I lobbed over their head. So it actually worked out for me. But depending on who other people played, it was hard to just move and get the footwork there. What's it like playing number one singles as a sophomore? Um, honestly, it's a little nerve-wracking. Um, but what I have been focusing on is just competing and going out there and competing, not really focusing on results, wins, and losses. Um, and I've, I just go out there and compete. And my best that's all I can ask for so that's basically what I've been doing I know both men's and the women's tennis team have been very good at doubles this mm-hmm. year so far and you played number two doubles talk yeah. a little bit about how, that experience what your doubles partner's like and everything well I think with doubles um, a major thing is to have a great connection with your doubles partner um, Kate and I played actually last year in the fall um, so we've had a connection before and I think really working off each other's energy is really helpful so in our matches this weekend, we worked off each other's shots, the serve. We went and like put away the volleys, so that was really good. The home opener was this past Sunday. Shot a nine-nothing win over Colby Sawyer. How it cool was, was that? Great. It was actually awesome. Everyone was doing well. We are all rooting on each other, 
And I think just having this environment where everyone's supportive, everyone's like in this positive, positive body language and supporting everyone is like the best. So it's a great way to start the season off. Absolutely. A 2-0 week for the women's tennis team. we got Middlebury on Saturday. Macy Silverman, thanks so much. Thank you. Great news from our track and field programs. They participate in the tough last chance meet on Friday, and a number of Bobcats officially qualified for nationals. Women's track and field is sending a record six Bobcats to the NCAA championships this Friday and Saturday. Sophomore Sally Cisse qualify in the triple jump for the second straight year, and junior Allison Hill qualify in the 60-meter hurdles for the first time in her career. Meanwhile, the Bates Distance Medley Relay team of Isabel Unger, Claire Marconic, Aiden Eikhoff, and Jessica Wilson is headed to nationals as well. Head coach Jay Hartshorn joined the Bobcast to talk women's track and field. Well, coach, first of all, uh, Sally Cisse, her second straight nationals, if I'm not mistaken. And so, and what, what I mean, she continued to improve throughout the years, uh, just like everyone else, really. But what made her so successful once again? Well, Sally's first time triple jumping was last winter, and she just picked it up right away and had a lot of early success. And then she sprained her ankle, and we just didn't really finish the year like we wanted to. And this year, it kind of went the opposite way. She just started out a lot slower, um, but then got better every single weekend, which culminated in this weekend um, with her tying her own school record. And hopefully, she'll sort of continue to improve um, next weekend. But she kind of had that typical sophomore year of everything's not as easy. I maybe have to work a little harder, and she did that, and um, it's just exciting to think about um, that she, you know, still has two more years and has this chance um, to go and improve on last year's performance. Well, you mentioned that she only she never triple jumped before before she arrived at Bates, and so what inspired you, I guess, to have her try that event? Um, it was just because we do bounding in practice and she went that much further than everybody else so it was just clear that that was a good event for her I remember I brought her into my office and I was like we really think you should triple jump and she was like oh, okay so she was a pole vaulter and javelin thrower and we've tried her at hurdles here and she's done some long jumps so she can really do anything but I think that triple jump is what she fell in love with um, and does sort of everything else as maybe a kind of like a hobby and the triple jump is like her passion now and then of course Allison Hill we've talked about her before in the in the 60 meter hurdles that she's going to nationals and has a pretty good shot possibly being an all-american what do you think about those chances the hurdles is a funny race I mean I feel like every single girl that's there kind of has an equal shot because there's just not a lot of time between all of them so we'll just sort of have to wait and see but I think she's ready and as prepared as she can be she's had a really good season um but I also so I know she can run faster but I'm also think that she might even be better when we add five hurdles when we get to outdoors so I'm sort of excited from for this moment and then forward as we you know finish off the rest of the year and a relay team going as well what makes this particular relay team so special um I think one thing that's really nice about it is is the first time we'll have somebody who runs lead off for the second time at nationals. So our relays, they keep evolving and we've had some of the same people run the 400 and some of the same people run the 800. Um, but that hasn't, we've never had the same lead off. So I'm excited for Izzy that she kind of gets to go back and do that again and she was hurt at the beginning of the year so she had a slower start to her year which i think actually for her turned out really well and um, what was really nice was that at tufts when we qualified 
we had a bunch of three of the women who had been on the relay in the past were all there and I think that just gave them a lot of energy so they don't really feel like it's just this group of four people that it sort of extends for the four years in front of this and um, we're actually now that I'm thinking of it so we're going back to Grinnell which was where we had our first relay um, who was that started this run we of course had a one that was all American a really fun group back in 2000 and seven sorry um but this group is sort of going back to where some of this all started when those four went to nationals they had no idea what was going on and it was just really funny because they just had they didn't know the procedure they didn't know what they're doing so it's nice to kind of go back with um maybe a little bit more like we got this we know what's going on um and hopefully a few less nerves what was a tough last uh, chance meet like it must be a lot of high pressure for a lot of the runners I think it was, well, definitely was for this particular relay because you are penalized so much for running on a bank track. And so we knew we had to run faster, that our time was in no way going to hold up. So you really put all your eggs in one basket, and that's a lot, a lot of pressure. So in some ways, last weekend felt like more pressure than this weekend. Now when they get to the starting line, they're going to still feel a lot of pressure. But um last weekend really was like oh we have to do this it has to be now and we have to like make it all work um and they did that and then some so hopefully they like got through the pressure and then gained some confidence like that but there was almost six teams made it from that last chance meet to nationals it was just really that competitive so five did and the sixth one just missed so almost half the field is coming from that one race so we've run against a lot of the really good teams and that makes then getting on the starting line with a bunch more really good teams a little bit easier because we just did it and it wasn't like we haven't run these races with people around us or pressure on us. On the men's side, senior captain Nick Margetza qualified for nationals in the shot put and sophomore Ida D. Ray Faccarini qualified in the weight throw. They are good friends and they're each making their NCAA championships debut. Well, we're joined here on the Bobcast by the two uh, men's track and field athletes headed to nationals. We got D-Ray over here going with the weight throw and Nick Margitza going in the uh, shot put. And first of all, start with you, Nick, as the senior captain, your first time going to nationals. I mean, how excited are you right now? Very pumped. I was the first one out last year, so training over the summer, I definitely had some big goals um, in front of me, and I'm glad to be going in as a seventh seed and I'm ready to have a lot of fun with D-Ray this weekend. It should be a, it should be a blast. I know you guys are good friends, and D-Ray wasn't mean to go with the, the captain here. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. I think Nick has a very contagious uh, kind of drive, and like he definitely affected with me over the summer. And I, I went into the summer also having pretty lofty goals, and fortunately having him back me up and lead me throughout the way because I'm honestly not as experienced as him. And it was, it was awesome having him there for me to train with and to come out here and uh, push ourselves every day. Now, you both went to the last chance meet, right? So I uh, know you've been many times. Uh, what do you tell D-Ray about, you know, that last chance meet? Because obviously that's, there's a lot of pressure there, right? Well, actually, I don't know. We, we went into the, this weekend just, like, trying to have fun. We both had a good shot at going to nationals uh, without the PRs that we had. So we went in this weekend with not too much weight on our shoulders, just tried to go through. We, all week we talked about going through our positions in the throw, uh, just working effective powerful movements and you know not really getting too tense before it there was nothing much on the line really in terms of just our seeds going into nationals so we had we, we went in wanting to have fun we had a lot of fun 
Now, d I'm going to ask you about this because you just met with uh, Coach there for a little bit. Uh, what was that meeting about? <laughs> well, we actually had a meeting about uh, jerseys. Uh, so I'm wearing a 2XL, and uh, it, it fits kind of snug, but like, I, I'm pretty sure that Bates hasn't really had big, girthy guys <laughs> like me and Nick go to nationals in the past few years. So definitely moving forward, I think they're going to have to make an adjustment for the sizes of, uh, of jerseys. <laughs> Um, yeah, so D-Ray's throwing the day before me, and he's wearing the 2X. So I'm hoping that if it's in good enough condition, I'll wear it uh, the day after. So we're, we're just arranging for those sort of things now. That way there's no uh, surprises at, at Nationals. Right, I know obviously a long line of great uh, shot putters and weight throwers here. Do you think any of them will be at Nationals? Have you heard, heard from any of them? Well, I don't know if anyone, any of them are going to make the actual trip there, but I'll tell you what, I know that they're all going to be with there with us just in just – because everything we know has been passed down throughout, you know, throughout the guys, and I know Pless and Enos, those guys are going to be texting us throughout the time, and they've already, they've already contacted us, and we've been in touch with them. Even guys that we've never even thrown with, just you know, guys in their 40s and stuff, <laughs> texting us and just letting us know like how lucky we are and you know, how proud they are of us, and it's pretty awesome. And I'm sure when next year when D Ray goes, I'll be with him too, because that's how it is. We're 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 very tight like that, so. Hey, it must be awesome. I mean, you're a younger guy uh, as a sophomore, but all these guys who have thrown here through the years supporting you guys, what, what is that like for you? I don't know. It definitely pushes me a lot to work harder because it's awesome, like, doing well and then having someone reach out to you and be like, wow, I heard what happened this weekend, man, and seeing video and them saying that, oh, you're so close and whatnot. It's, it's pretty awesome, and I think that's part of the reason why Bates throws are the way they are because we're literally brothers of iron. So it's pretty awesome to see, like, the tradition is still going on, and I hope that it continues to go on through the years. And you got that sophomore record recently, right, for the weight throw. What was that moment like when you found out you broke it? Um, it was surreal because uh, Shawnee knows he's actually, I call him dad because he, he taught me everything I know. And to, to, to be in a position where, like, I, I did as well as him, like his sophomore year, is like, it's pretty awesome. And it's definitely, it's definitely humbling. All right, last question for you guys. Just get your final thoughts. Anything else going through your mind in advance of Nationals? Could it be... Any more excited to go with a teammate, especially D-Ray. Um, super pumped to go out there and show him what Bates Track's all about. And I'm very thankful and grateful for all the support we've gotten throughout from our teammates, from our friends and family uh, during the season. How about you? Yeah, same thing as Nick. I'm just very excited to be here. And thanks for everyone who supported us through this road. I mean, at times uh, it, it was bumpy, but I mean, we're here and I'm very thankful. All right, sounds great. Nick D-Ray, thanks so much. This weekend, the baseball team heads to Florida looking to keep up the momentum of their solid 3-2 California trip. They play UMass Boston in a doubleheader on Saturday and Babson on Sunday. Head coach Mike Leonard reflects on the California trip and looks forward to Florida. Well, Coach, a 3-2 trip to California the other week. Um, first of all, what were your overall impressions, first time seeing your team in action, you know, outdoors in a game? Really impressed with the athleticism, really impressed with our overall preparation. Uh, guys worked really, really hard all fall and in the preseason, and it certainly showed. Um, they were ready to play. They were physically uh, in a good position to play, and I think that um, overall coming out of that week three and two after practicing for eight, nine days is, is a productive trip, especially given um, the pluses that we saw on the field execution-wise as well. And some of the returning guys on offense like Fox and Warren and McCarthy really stood out this past week. I mean, first of all, Fox hit over 500. What was, what was working for him at the plate you noticed? 
Uh, Brendan is extremely talented. He started for two years. Um, I think he would be the first to say that he was disappointed with his production last year as a sophomore. So I think he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Uh, it's never been a question of talent or ability. So I think he has a certain um, you know, level of confidence this year and, and definitely a little something to prove. And I think that showed. Now, this is obviously a small ball team manufacturing runs, right? I mean, it seems like you guys executed pretty well in terms of bunting and, and stolen bases because you guys – well, stole 12 bases, were only caught three times. You guys had as many walks as strikeouts. Probably what you like to see, right? Yeah, I think there was, a, there was a lot of positives. I think you go into a week where you're playing teams that have had fall ball and have been playing uh, you know, games over the last couple of weeks. You want to go out there and, uh, and try to take, get runs any way that you can. And I know that our team is athletic, so I'm confident to put guys in motion and, and execute bunts. But I also think that we're going to turn into a team that can hit the ball in the gap a little bit and score some runs traditionally too. So I'd like to keep uh, pushing the envelope and doing both and, and getting as many runs as we can being the ultimate goal offense. Well, Warren hit a home run, the only home run over the, over the five games. This guy, obviously full potential, right? Hopefully this year, do you think this is the year he breaks through, really has a big season for you guys? Yeah, I think Sam's been through a lot in his three years here at Bates, and I think he's extremely focused right now. And uh, I think he is certainly looking to, to be the best teammate he can be. And I know that his teammates are looking to him to kind of be that middle of the lineup type hitter. And, um, you know, Sam's going to take a little a lot of pride in, in, in working really hard and, uh, and being a key guy for us this year. He's been a starter for three years and had other guys around him. So I think now that we've lost some of those guys, I think it's his turn to step up. And then looking forward to the Florida trip coming up, what are you, it's three games over two days, if, I, if I'm correct. Uh, so what are you looking to evaluate in this case, going to Florida? Uh, so it's nice to be able to go into a weekend with a three-game set, which is similar to our conference schedule, and we get to line up our, our one, two, three pitchers and, uh, and put our bullpen pitchers in a position to pitch in the role that we expect them to during the season. So it's kind of a trial run. It also gives us a chance to build on some of the things we did well out in California, and clean up some of the mistakes we made. We, we looked like a team that had not been on a baseball field uh, for a while with some of our base running mistakes and a couple miscues defensively. So it's a chance to clean some of that stuff up and, and take a step forward. Um, I think the rust has been knocked off and our guys are told that this is our reality and here we are. We don't have kind of that spring training feel anymore. We are in season. So going to Florida, we certainly want to look like an in-season team, um, not a preseason team. The only home games this week for Bates Athletics belong to women's lacrosse. They take on Babson at 5 o'clock on Wednesday and host Amherst at 2.30 on Saturday. Men's lacrosse has a huge showdown on the road at number 4 Amherst on Saturday. Sadie James is competing at Nordic Nationals this week and men's and women's tennis visit Middlebury on Saturday. We'll recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast. <laughs>